Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and the fruit of the spirit is what? Is love. Do you see that? How do these two work together? How does humility and poverty of spirit that gives us access to Jesus, because we come to Christ knowing that we are sinners in need of a savior, and we live our lives in the reality that we need to be saved. We never leave that place. But what you find is that the fruit of humility is love. Humility is a posture of the heart and a way of living life that Jesus asked for his followers to adopt. It isn't a natural thing, especially in the culture of today's world. However, it does bear an incredible fruit that's needed desperately in that same world, love. Today, Pastor Daniel will be challenging you to interact with people with Jesus as your focus, not on yourself. Your need for Jesus, when made evident, will lead you to love as he does. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 with part two of his message, The Beauty of Love. Humility leads us into the potential of a life that is truly beautiful in the eyes of God so that God can bring revival on the personal level to our lives. Now, another verse, Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So you get God saying, look, I made everything. I did everything. What are you going to make me? I'm going to dwell with the person who is poor and contrite, who trembles at my word. You see how humility becomes the way of beauty now? Because each one of us has to be okay being where we are as God says that we are. It's okay for us to acknowledge that we are what God says that we are, which is that we are broken and flawed. That we don't get everything right. But isn't that the hardest thing to do? It's the hardest thing to be like, I screwed that up. And you know why? Because our culture does not value poverty of spirit. So all of us, and that means the oldest of us to the youngest of us, all of us has been nurtured in an environment that says, don't ever let anybody know that you failed. If you fail, blame the other person. Tell them why you, they think it's a failure, but it's not a failure. Fight tooth and nail so you never have to own the fact that you're messed up. And because we've been nurtured in that, now all of a sudden Jesus shows up and Jesus says, Oh, how happy is the spiritually bankrupt. See, what you realize is that poverty of the spirit is a positive spiritual orientation because it is the converse of arrogance and confidence. So the question becomes is, where is your confidence? 
Where is your confidence? Is it in the Lord or is it in yourself? And right there, that's where poverty of spirit comes into play. Now, what's beautiful about this idea of poverty of spirit is that it's available to all of us. Like, here's the thing. For the person in this room who is the oldest, you actually have the most data to support the fact that you're messed up. Like, how cool is that? Like, the person who's been in Christ the longest, you have the most data to show you that you are spiritually bankrupt. Because you know what the thing is? If you're honest about your life, no matter who we are, all of us on our best day is still completely jacked up. Now listen, listen, we come to Jesus and when you come to Jesus, you're messed up in all these ways and Lord willing, you're not still doing the same things you did when you came to Jesus. Like I remember when I came to know Christ, like I was struggling with drugs and fornication and uncleanness and I was really, 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 really obnoxious. You're like, you're still working on that, Fusco. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like you have all these things that you're working on and it's all real. Now, praise God now, I'm not doing drugs and I'm not doing anything with anybody other than my wife, you know, and all these things. And and all these things get clean, but I still have other things to work on, right? But the thing is, is the reality that you still have something to work on, that reminds you that, listen, I'm still a learner. I'm still on the first step. Does that make sense? But the question is, when was the last time? See, because we're all really good at diagnosing everybody else's problems, and we do a really lousy job at looking at ourselves, right? How many of you know exactly how to fix the people in your life? Go ahead, everyone raise your hand. I know it's true. Everyone's like, I know how to fix them. I know what they need. But it's so hard because poverty of spirit is not, I know how to fix everybody. Poverty of spirit is, I need Jesus to fix me. And when we are willing not to want to be right, but to walk in what is right, now all of a sudden we begin to say, Lord, I need you. Poverty of spirit. Humility is the way to a life that God sees is pleasing and beautiful. Why? Because blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I could say it this way. Humility gives you access to Jesus. See, without humility, you actually have no access to Jesus. Now remember, what we're saying here is not that you need, like I'm not saying you all need to become humble. I'm saying that if you're in Christ, your identity in Christ, you are already humble. You are already poor in spirit by the very nature that you said yes to Jesus in the first place. Because when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus, you are acknowledging in that moment, I cannot save myself, I need a savior. And that alone is an act of humility. Especially in a world that says, you gotta just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to fix that, then fix it. Right? That's our culture. Our culture says, you can fix anything that you need to fix, but you can't fix everything. There's certain things that you realize, I need Jesus to fix that. See, that simple act of saying, I can't save myself, is huge. You know, it's funny. Like, I didn't grow up in the church, and, and I grew up in New Jersey, and so all of my friends are those like classic like Northeast people, which means no one has a problem telling you what they think especially if they think it's going to rub you the wrong way, they especially tell it to you. That's kind of the environment that I was raised in. So like, I'm used to hearing things. And I remember, I'll never forget, this happens pretty regularly. Someone will come and they'll say, man, Daniel, I can't believe you're a Christian. I mean, like, you're kind of a decently intelligent person. You got gifts and talents. I mean, why would you need a crutch like Jesus? 
right? Some of you are thinking that right now. You're here, you're not a believer. You're like, man, why would I ever want a crutch like Jesus? And I always answer it the same way. When you have a broken leg, you're grateful for the crutch. Because when you have a broken leg, you can't put weight on that leg and it be healthy. So you're grateful for the crutch. I'm like, but I don't just need a crutch. Jesus isn't just a crutch. He's my wheelchair. He's my gurney. He is my emergency room triage unit. Because I don't just have a broken leg. I got a broken life. I got all sorts of problems. And the longer and farther down the journey with Jesus I get, the more I am aware of how messed up I really am. See, what I'm realizing every day is that I need Jesus more now than on the day that I got saved because of the light of his spirit. I realize there's all sorts of other stuff in there. See, that's why I've been walking with Jesus for a while. The people who really walk with Jesus, not walk in religion, but walk with Jesus, they're the most humble people. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, he keeps peeling back those, the onion layers of the heart. You know what I mean? It's like, first layer is like, man, you're all messed up. You need to get saved. Like, I get saved. Lord, I'm giving you my life. And then the next thing, it's like, well, yeah, you're really judgmental. Oh, well, you know, you realize you really don't love anybody. Oh, you know. And each step of the way, the next layer gets pulled back. The next layer gets pulled back. The next layer gets pulled back. And finally, you just say, Lord, on my best day, I am radically in need. I'm radically in need. Now, what's amazing is, is Jesus speaks about all this stuff, too. So I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. This is one of those verses that I realize that I'm here, I'm talking at Crossroads. We have all of our campuses and people online and TV and everywhere. So I realize that a lot of us are already followers of Jesus. But the problem for many of us who are followers of Jesus is that we are falling into the very trap that the Pharisees in Jesus' day fell into. We know the word. We like the word. We're seeking to follow the word. But in our knowing the word, liking the word, seeking to follow the word, we've actually, we're missing the heart of God. Right? Because that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were so religious that they missed God's heart in the midst of what was going on. Now listen to this. It says, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, what happened was, is Jesus invited Levi, Matthew, the person who was inspired by the Spirit to write this gospel that we're studying, right? And Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew invites Jesus to his house and all of Matthew's friends are not the religious people because he was a tax collector. So it's all these, what the Pharisees would call seedy characters, right? And they're all there and the Pharisees are watching this and they're giving the disciples a hard time like, dude, don't, why is your teacher hanging out with that riffraff? Now what's amazing about it is like, Cultures change, but people stay the same. See, if you wanted to be a rabbi of repute in Jesus's day, you made sure that you had the right connections. You were seen around the great. I mean, they didn't have Instagram and stuff. So it's like, it's not like, you know, in, in Jesus's day, like, man, I'm hanging out with Rabbi Gamaliel, taking a picture. And I'm with this guy. And it's like, check me out. I'm so cool. I'm so connected to all the best of the rabbis. But Jesus wasn't having any of that. Because Jesus wasn't interested in a hypocritical, self-aggrandizing spiritual show. He was interested in people. So Jesus, instead of playing the game, Jesus just hangs out with the normal people. And they're like, dude, what's your rabbi doing, man? Why is he hanging out with those people? And Jesus heard it and he said, 
those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I mean, isn't it true? How many of you go to the doctor when you're feeling good? I mean, like, listen, even if you're a little sick right now, you're not going to the doctor. You know, everyone at the doctor's office right now is real sick. Like, I'm avoiding the doctor's office like the plague right now. Because I'm feeling good, man. I'm like, listen, unless I'm dying, I'm not going to the doctor's. I'll get sick if I go to the doctor's. Right? But when you're really sick, you go to the doctor's and you get the antibiotics. And he's saying, listen, don't you realize I did not come to call those who think that they're righteous. I came to call those who know that they're sinners. And that's spiritual poverty. See, spiritual poverty is saying, I'm spiritually bankrupt, Lord. I need help. I need help. And the Pharisees lost that. But you know what the funny thing is about the Pharisees? And listen, can we just be honest? Some of us here at Crossroads were Pharisees. We are. A Pharisee in the church is someone who at some point gave their life to Jesus and seeks to follow the word but has lost God's heart for people. Like you forget where you came from. This happens. Because what happens is somebody gets saved and they come to Jesus and they're broken and then God cleans up their life. Now all these things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. But then instead of staying in a place where saying, I need Jesus, we start to say, I can't believe someone would do that. I can't believe someone would vote that way. I can't believe somebody would root for that sports team. I can't believe that someone would this. And right as you're in the, I can't believe you've left the poverty of spirit that leads to a beautiful life, even though you're in Christ. And that's why it's amazing. We live in a day and age where most people who don't know Jesus don't feel any love from people who do. And that, my friends, that's a pharisaical spirit, isn't it? And listen, if right now, if you're mad at me for saying that, I guarantee you got it. Okay? Like, if right now you're like a little mad at Fusco, you got it. Like, you got the influenza. You got the Pharisee bug. You just need to say, Lord, I need some poverty of spirit in my heart. See, what happens is, is it's so easy for us to leave that place once God starts Fixing our lives up. See, but what's beautiful is Jesus, listen to Jesus in Matthew 11, verses 20 to 30. It says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what Jesus is saying, Jesus is telling people, listen, if you're beat up, If you're wiped out, if you're overwhelmed, you just come. Come to me. He's like, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You're going to find rest. Twice in those verses, you're going to find rest for your souls. And my friends, I think that this is huge because, notice he said, because I'm gentle and lowly in heart. See, Jesus being fully God in the flesh on a rescue mission for the world, he was able to receive people who were sick tax collectors and people who were living in outright rebellion against God. He was able to receive them. Why? Because even in his perfections, Jesus maintained a humility of who he is so that those people who were considered outsiders by the religious authorities loved to be with Jesus, even though he didn't do the things that they were doing. He lived completely differently than they did. Absolutely differently. Not even close to the same way. But yet they felt comfortable to come because even though he was perfect and he never did anything wrong, 
There was room in his heart for them, even though they failed. Why? Think about it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the fruit of the spirit is what? Is love. Do you see that? How do these two work together? How does humility and poverty of spirit that gives us access to Jesus, because we come to Christ knowing that we are sinners in need of a savior, and we live our lives in the reality that we need to be saved. We never leave that place. But what you find is that the fruit of humility is love. The fruit of humility is love. Now I'm going to explain you how this works. And I think it's going to bless you and challenge you. Now, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, this idea of the fruit of the Spirit being love, it's one fruit, but it has many characteristics. So if you look at it in the Greek, fruit is in the singular. So it's one singular fruit, but that fruit has a lot of characteristics to it. And the first of the characteristics is love, right? Now, the fruit of the Spirit being love, the reason the fruit of humility is love is simply this. If you and I maintain a posture of the heart, that is humble, why would you ever not love another person? Think about the people you don't love right now. And I know you guys say, I love everybody, but no, like, think about the people who you really like, man. If they were just vanished, you'd be like, that's so good. Come on, we live in the real world. I mean, so like some of you guys are super holy. I mean, God's still working on me. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's some, you know, when you think about people who you don't love, right? Why don't you love them? Because you think you're better than them. That's simply why. You can't identify with where they are. You can't fathom how they landed where they landed. Like for some of you, just simply voting for the other political party is enough for you to not love somebody. Why? Because you can't fathom how they could ever vote that way. And guess what? Your I can't fathom, that's textbook pride. Because you've forgotten that at one point you were ignorant too. That at one point you were lost. You had no clue about anything. And then Jesus invades your life, and all of a sudden, his light gives you light, and all of a sudden, you live differently. But what happens is, is our ability to love people is absolutely driven by our feelings of superiority over them. And if you are poor in spirit, you don't feel superior to anybody. Because you realize in the poverty of spirit that drives you into the arms of Jesus, that you are just like everybody else. When you see somebody who's broken down, their life is totally in shambles, you're like, I'm kind of just like them. Maybe your issues are different, but the reality, the propensity to live in such a way that destroys your life is in all of us. And if it wasn't for God's grace, you'd be standing in the exact same seat as they are. See, humility teaches us that we're all the same, but the details are different. See, if you start to look at the people you struggle to love, the problem isn't them. The problem is the posture of our hearts. They're not the problem. They just show you what's in your heart. And what happens is, is for the church, for the people of God, for many of us, we forget where we've come from. And because we forget where we've come from, we lose the ability to be able to meet people where they are. Like, when I gave my life to Christ, my life was so messed up that if I forget where that is, when I see someone whose life is messed up, I'm like, man, they're so messed up. And you realize that if you're busy judging someone, you have no room to love them. You realize that, right? Like, if you 
in your feelings of superiority over somebody else, now you have no room to see them as they are, see even your own life in their story, and be a positive agent for change in their life. Now, what I'm not talking about, because when you start talking this way, people are like, okay, so we're just going to love everybody and we're not going to like be serious about sin. That's where this goes. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Because you realize that if you have true poverty of spirit and you notice somebody who you love, who their life's broken down, you know what you do? You love them enough to talk to them about it. But you talk to them about it because of your poverty of spirit. You talk to them about it in the way Jesus invites us to. Remember what he says? He's like, if you see the speck in your brother's eye, what should you do? First pull out the plank out of your own eye and then go deal with your brother's speck. See, he's saying, if you think about it in regards to you know wood and stuff, a speck is a piece of sawdust and a plank is a four by eight. I say, you notice the speck in your brother's eye? You know what you're, they have a piece of sawdust? Rather than being like, bro, you got sawdust in your eye, because if you don't pull the plank out, you just knock them out with your issues, right? But if you, because of the poverty of spirit that drives your faith, if now all of a sudden you deal with your own garbage, then you go and say, listen, I'm nobody. I just pulled, I got me a whole lumber sale going on. I don't even know the half of it, man. I got a particle board. I got two by fours. I got wood block. I got some composite material. I don't even know what that is. I'm pulling all this stuff out of my eye. But I did notice the specs messing you up a little bit. So I'm not your judge. I'm not your jury. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. But God's doing a work in me. And I notice this in you. And I care about you. And I don't want you to get hurt by that. And isn't that so different than when somebody comes and judges you and says all sorts of stuff about you as if when they poop it smells like roses I'm raising a middle schooler man I understand all this stuff but you know what I mean because what happens is is without humility somebody in Christ who wants to address your stuff if they're not taking the plank out of their own eye all they're going to do is hit you with their issues and the world that we live in when they think of Christianity they think of someone trying to remove the speck in their eye we don't even see the plank in our own eye Jesus is real. You're called in love to share the truth of the gospel with everyone. That comes with confronting the sins of others, however. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you to take a look first at your own sin before trying to remove it from someone else. Jesus paid the price for your sins long ago on the cross, but those sins still need to be confessed and dealt with. As you approach others to share his truth, be honest about your own need for salvation. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D. 
to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel describes what mourning in this world looks like. Tragedy is part of life and has likely touched you in some way. You can see it all around you as well. Poverty, war, violence of all kinds. But what do you do with all the sadness? Pastor Daniel will share the ultimate comfort with you next time. So be sure to tune in again to Jesus is Real Radio. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.